You're listening to episode 18 of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Um, every time I go to record this podcast, it's raining and it's raining again right now. So uh, that's always a problem because when you record with a condenser mic, um, it picks up everything. So when there's rain in the background, it just sounds like white noise. And so I decided to try something a little different because I really wanted to get another episode out. So I thought, well, when I when I record videos, I actually use a little lapel mic. And I thought, well, why don't I just you know try that? So I've got it hooked up to my iPad and it's recording. So hopefully this will this will sound good enough for the uh, podcast. But it doesn't pick up background noise anywhere near as much as my uh, my studio condenser so I thought this might be a good alternative so um, anyway um, it's been a while since the last podcast I've been meaning to get more out uh, this year I wanted to kind of have a more consistent output of podcasts that really hasn't happened like I had hoped uh, but hey, I'm just a, I'm just a guy, you know, just just uh, doing this on my spare time. So uh, I hope you'll forgive me. So anyway, got another episode. Um, Want to start off with just talking about a, you know, what's gone on in the last few months. I know I've been talking a lot about short scale bases lately, and I had a follow up on the short scale base that I got last year, the uh, Ibanez TMB35, the little five string uh, short scale, and it's just been a fantastic little bass for the money. And uh, actually, I got some really weird feedback that I was not expecting from my worship team a couple weeks back. Um, and now I've been playing mostly Music Man Stingrays on the, on the platform. Um, I've got a, a fretted and a fretless, and uh, usually it's the fretless one that everybody gets excited about whenever I bring to, uh, to service. They're like, oh, that, I love the sound of that. That's just such an awesome sounding bass. And it is. And the Stingrays sound really good. And that tends to be what works best in, uh, you know, for worship at my church. But uh, oddly enough, um, I was talking to a couple of the, the musicians, uh, a couple of the guitar players and the drummer, and they were like, you know, that new short scale bass you have, they said, that's like the favorite one that, that uh, we like <laughs> for you to bring. It's like the best sounding one, which is just uh, really quite surprising since it's like a tenth of the price of the uh, Music Man. And uh, I don't really <laughs> necessarily agree with them on that assessment, but um, it is a very good sounding bass for the money. And I really do like the uh, having a P pickup, uh, since it's got a PJ pickup configuration. The P is uh, a fun pickup to have. It's my only bass I've, I've had with a P pickup, and so I definitely know why people really like the, uh, the P bass sound. So I've been enjoying that, and mostly that's what I have it set on when, when we're doing worship. So I think it's the P bass pickup that they're hearing and going, yeah, we like that. So, um, but that was a surprise that they preferred that bass over the, the Music Men uh, basses. So uh, big surprise there. But uh, anyway, so um, the only thing I haven't been liking about that bass, and I've, I've mentioned it before on the podcast, is that it's, uh, it's very neck heavy. It's, I mean, that, it has massive, massive neck dive. 
it's not even funny how bad the neck dive is on that base. That's the only thing I really don't like about it. It's got a great neck on it. Uh, like I said, the P base, uh, the PJ pickup configuration, I really like a lot. But that neck is just way, way, way too heavy. Uh, I know on podcasts I've also been mentioning, I've really kind of had an eye for the Ibanez EHB series bases. And especially when they came out this year with the short scale version, it's actually kind of a short slash medium scale, multi-scale version of the base. It goes from 30 inches to 32 multi-scale. And yeah, I definitely have been eyeing that base. So a couple of months back, I actually put in a pre-order with Sweetwater. And right now, I'm actually holding the base in my hands. I actually got it last week um, after about a two month wait. Uh, I've got the base and I just want to say this base is flipping awesome. This is the most incredible base ever. Um, it's definitely a game changer base and uh, the reason for it is just because it's so incredibly comfortable. Um, it weighs in at seven pounds and six ounces. And if my, if my math is good on ounces, um, I think that comes out to just under seven and a half pounds. So it's a very light base, plus not having the headstock on it because it's a headless base means there's no weight hanging off the, uh, the left end there. Um, I say the left end, meaning on your left shoulder because that's less weight on the head of the base. So it just balances very nicely. I mean, incredibly nicely. And it sits perfectly. When you put it on, it just wants to go right into that 45 degree angle. That's the best angle for, uh, for playing bass. It's the most ergonomically friendly angle. And it just sits right there exactly the way you want it. And man, it's got a fantastic neck on it. Neck feels incredibly good. It kind of feels to me like the things I really like about my jazz bass neck combined with the things I really like about my Music Man necks without all the negative things that I don't like about those necks. It's just, it's like the perfect neck. I, neck. I really love it. And I like the fact that I can adjust the string settings, uh, string spacing on it if I want, but really out of the box, this thing is just, it's perfect. I haven't done anything to it other than uh, just tweaking the tuning, make sure it's in tune when I pull it out of the box, but I have not done anything to it. Uh, just like the other bass uh, that I ordered from, from uh, Sweetwater, it's come really in perfect playing condition. So I really like the bass. I know a lot of people have talked about the uh, pickups, which are Bartolini P, uh, BH2s, I believe. Uh, a lot of people say they don't really care for it. And a lot of people will upgrade the pickups. Um, I've been pretty happy with them so far. Um, people say they're a little dark sounding, um, but that's okay with me. I kind of, I kind of prefer my bass to kind of have a darker sound. I'm not a, I'm not a very bright, uh, sounding guy with my bass. I tend to roll off the, uh, the trouble a lot. So, uh, dark sounding bass is fine to me. Although I am curious to maybe at some point try out some different pickups just because I'm curious, but uh, overall it sounds great. I've already used it in service. I'll be using it again tomorrow. Right now, as I record this, it's a Saturday. So I'll use it for the second time in service tomorrow. Uh, the first time I brought the church was for service. I said, yeah, I got it. And a few days later we had service and I, you know, normally, you know, it'd be good form to 
to take a bass to a rehearsal first uh, to get it worked in before bringing it to a service. But I was like, no, nah, I, I can't wait. I'm just going to take it right to service. I think it'll do just fine. And it did. It was a, it was hot in its output. So I was constantly having to adjust down the gain on my preamp and it still was overloading. But, um, at some point, the the uh, sound guy got it got it dialed in too, and um, it just it sounded really good. And then when I had it for the next uh, time I brought the church was in for rehearsal, and I don't know what I did, but oh, I, I remember what I did. I, I usually at church play through uh, uh, a Zoom B3, which gosh, we've been using for eight years now at the church, and usually I have a. I, one of the, I have a compressor, I have a Ampeg B15 amp model, and then an exciter. And for some reason, I accidentally turned off the, the bass sim. And when I turned off the bass sim, it was the, the bass just sounded phenomenal. And so I turned the bass sim back on, and it's a great bass sim. There's, I, we, I've been, like I said, I've been using it for, for years. And for whatever reason, this bass sounds really good without the bass sim on. So uh, I was really digging the tone. I'm gonna try it tomorrow and, and see how it does tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it's a great bass. I can't say enough great things about it. And if, you know, because of the ergonomics of it, it's just so friendly on your back. It's friendlier on your, your wrist. It's friendlier on your fingers. It's just, uh, it's definitely a great base if you want something ergonomically friendly. Um, yeah, get it. It's a fantastic base. And just in general, it's just a fantastic base. So uh, I can't say enough. The neck is fantastic. There's plenty, you know, if you don't like the pickups, there's plenty of pickup options that'll, that'll fit it. So you're sure to find a, a pickup configuration that'll work for you. So it's just a fantastic bass. I just, I love it. Um, I'm, even though it, a year ago, it's funny when, when these things first came out and I saw them and I was like, that is the ugliest looking bass ever. I mean, that is like the stupidest looking thing. Who in the right mind would buy a bass that looks like that? And now here I am a year later and I've, I've got it in my hands. I've spent money on it. Um, so go figure, never say never, but it's a great bass. And yeah, so you're probably wondering, well, what does it sound like Brent? Well, um, okay. Um, I've got it turned on here. Um, I'm just playing it through my amp. I'm sitting in front of my amp. Like I said, I'm, I'm not going through my, my, uh, studio setup. So what you're hearing audio wise is just actually what's coming through my lapel mic. Um, so let's see if I can dial it in here. Uh, kind of got the pickups in the middle here. Ooh, still got to get used to the fan frets. So sometimes I don't always hit exactly where I should. And also that it's a, a shorter scale with the fan frets. So if uh, you're coming from a, a full size base to this, then yeah, there's a slight adjustment, but really the fan frets aren't too bad. Although I say that once you just now heard me hear a botch note. So let's see, here's the pickup on the front and I've got the, this is active mode is on. So here would be the front pickup. I've got the EQs. I'm, I'll try this here. I'll go ahead and set the EQs more in the middle so you get a better idea. Give myself a little more volume. There we go. And 
and sounds a little scratchy through this amp. So that would be the front pickup. Here would be the bridge pickup. And it's also got a passive setting, so I can go in the passive mode. I'm switching between passive and active. I've got the active pickups, or excuse me, the active preamp set at normal. So, as you can see, you can't hear a difference between very, very minimal to no difference between the passive setting and the active setting. The active setting just gives you the EQ options. When you're in the passive setting, then your trouble knob actually turns into a tone uh, roll-off. Tone, you know, like a tone, it turns and basically turns into a tone knob. So there's with it all the way down. There's with it all the way up. So you can hear how it does the same thing as a, as a tone knob. The only thing I would say that I'm not thrilled about it is that it's, it doesn't, the adjustments, it doesn't have as much, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like subtlety. It's not like, it's almost like it has two settings. <laughs> it's either on or off. I can't really get a whole much variation in between uh, bottom to top, I guess you could say, of the uh, dial turn. Um, so that's the one thing that I'm not as excited about. I wish it had more variety in the, uh, on the tone knob when it's in passive. But when you're in active, it's pretty flexible. there, lots of treble, all the way off, plenty of bass. Um, it's also got the mid uh, band, the semi-parametric mid, which is really nice to have. So if I turn this mid all the way up, you can hear me adjusting the frequency there to get it where I want it. Amps breaking up a little. That's that's not the bass. It's got some uh, st some static. I think it's on uh, well, it's somewhere in the uh, the bass. I've got a. I get, this is an old amp that I've been using. It's a Carvin R600. I've had since the 90s, and it it creates a lot of static. So that's not the bass. So anyway, as you can see, it's or as you can see, you can't see it. This is a podcast. You can't see it. Um, but as you can hear, it's, it's a flexible bass. Um, I'll actually post a video on it and uh, do some run-throughs with it so you can actually hear how it sounds a lot better than this podcast. I know I'm recording through my lapel mic, so I'm not trying, I don't, I'm not, in, not intending to do any major sound examples here, but uh, yeah, stay tuned to the, uh, the, the video channel, which if you don't follow me on YouTube, then definitely do so, which is just uh, go to YouTube and do a search for Worship Blender and you'll find our channel there. Next up, Brent's worship hack for playing by ear when the worship leader goes off script during the service. Now I've been a musician for most of my life, which is a long time, and I've got formal musical training and I've also studied at college for music and I've been playing 
you know, keyboard for many years and for bass for many years. And so I feel like I'm a pretty well experienced musician. However, there's nothing that sets off more fear and anxiety in me is when I'm on the platform and the worship leader decides to go into another song that's not on the schedule, what I call going off script. <laughs> and, um, and sometimes it might be a song I've never even heard before. And so worship leader just starts playing another song and I, it might be the first time I've ever heard it. And I'm like, great, thanks a lot for including me on that um, in your prep time there. Um, of course, they always say it's, you know, it's, it was, it, it's in the spirit, you know, they felt it in their spirit, so they, they just went to it, which probably most of the time, most of them kind of have that pre-planned. It's in their pocket as, you know, okay, I'm gonna pull this out if, if I feel confident enough to do it, and then I'll pretend like it was just something in the spirit. But anyway, that's a whole other topic there. Um, but um, so when that happens and, you know, I'm thinking, OK, I've even had ear training courses at college and everything. But still, I'm, I'm terrible at playing by ear. That's just a hard it, it's a skill I've never been very good at. Um, for me, music has always been about, you know, before being on a worship team, I was in secular music. I've only been in worship music for like the last seven or eight years. Uh, before that, it's always been secular music. And in secular music, it's always you never even dare get on stage unless you know exactly what you're going to play and you know every note and you've rehearsed it and you've got it down flat. I mean, you've just got that song or songs just perfect. And so the thought of improvising or figuring something out by ear on stage in front of people is just a, a foreign thought to me prior to being on a worship team. I mean, the first time that happened to me on a worship team, I was like, what in the world is going on? This is not something we rehearsed. Why are we doing this? So it's definitely been an adjustment period and it's still something that causes a lot of anxiety for me, even though I, I will say I've gotten better at it. And it's not necessarily that, well, yeah, I guess my ear has gotten better. Um, but I think the main thing that I, I think I've gotten more familiar with the fact that so many worship songs are so similar. And so I think my ear has adjusted to fit finding, okay, what's the similar pattern here that um, I can kind of isolate and go, okay, I've got this part figured out. Now I can isolate something else. And so a lot of times I can, I can hear those common patterns because they're so common in, in worship music. And so if you kind of learn those main patterns, then you can, when you get a song that's thrown at you, you know, spur of the moment, you can start kind of throwing some of these patterns at it and finding out if these patterns fit. The main thing is, of course, you need to know what key the song is. And usually if a worship leader is starting to play that song, it's, you know, and you don't, you, you have no, you know, it's something you don't know that it's, it's coming out of the blue, then it's usually going to be in the same song you're already in. Um, so usually you can say, okay, 99% of the time, it's probably going to be in the same key as the last song you just played. And so that as long as, you know, I say that because you've got to get the, at least the key down before any of these patterns will make any sense to you. But uh, the main thing is I strongly encourage you, if you don't already know the number system, to learn the number system. 
and that will make these patterns you'll start seeing you'll start seeing these patterns everywhere you go and these patterns are number patterns because basically music is really just math and that shouldn't scare anybody because it's just simple math i mean if you can count the seven you're you pretty much are going to be okay in music and so if you don't know the number system that's okay too as long as you can count the seven you know the number system and if you know your scale, so say if the song is in C major, here's our C major chord. Well, there's seven notes in the C major scale. There's also seven chords that correspond, at least the basic triads that correspond to each of those notes in the scale. So here's the scale. Last note, of course, is the same note, just a octave higher. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then you're back to one, which is the same note as the C here, just an octave higher. So that's it, that's the number system, just counting the seven on your major scale. And then add in the chords here. So those are the chords that correspond to the numbers in the scale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and back to one. That's it, that's the whole number system right there. So when you see a, a, a chord progression that says four, five, one, it would be four, five, one meaning those are, you're playing the fourth chord. Five, one. It just corresponds with the, the notes in the scale. It's really that easy. When people realize that it's that easy, they're like, oh my gosh, why was I making so much of a big deal about learning this or being so afraid to learn it? It's nothing to be afraid of at all. It's just counting the seven and going up your major scale, counting the seven, or whatever scale the song is using. So now that we've got that out of the way and we know, okay, number system's really easy, we can start seeing, again, these, these chord progressions that I refer to these patterns. And so any chord progression can be a series of numbers, like I just showed you right here, four, five, one. That's the four, five, one chord progression. And, and most of the contemporary Christian music, at least that we play and probably a lot of other churches play. This won't apply to all churches. Obviously, if you're a more gospel-based church or some other type of, you know, you're, maybe you're doing old hymns or something, then this might not apply as much. But if you're doing most of the contemporary worship music that's out there, then you're gonna use another pattern that I'm gonna call one, four, five, six. Um, and although it might be, the notes might be in a different order than one, four, five, six, it might be, uh, five one four six or uh, one five six four but it's going to be some combination of those four chords and so for the bass being a bass player that we're lucky in that we only have to worry about one note so we just got to figure out what the root note is in most cases we got to figure out what the root note is so say if it's a one five six four there's one five six, four. That probably sounds familiar to you. 
And so we just know, okay, then the bass note is one, five, six, four. Again, corresponding to the notes of the major scale. Um, so that's one variation. Again, like I said, there, there could be those, there, that chord progression could be in, uh, those four chords can be in a variety of different directions or, or, or organized different ways. For example, here would be a one, six, five, four, which is another very similar progression. So you'll hear that a lot. Um, you'll also hear like one, uh, a variation where it may be one, four, six, four. So something like that. But some variation of those four notes is commonly used. Now the other, the other pattern to be familiar with, you'll see this a lot too, is the four, six, five, one, but there's an asterisk by the one because a lot of times the, the bass note, especially when on the one chord, in this case in C, is that the bass player will actually play the third of the chord. Same thing happens when, say you're on the one and you're walking down to the six. Actually, playing that's actually the third of G. So, if you played the root note, it would sound, but instead, you're just walking down with the third of the chord. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, third of the chord, um, just know that the chords are based on at least three notes, typically, sometimes two notes actually, but at least three notes in most cases. So the second note in the chord would be the third. So when you're not playing the actual root note, you're playing the third, it gives it a little bit of a tension because it feels like it wants to be that. So a lot of these songs will use that tension. And so the, the uh, third on the one chord is used in this progression. And you'll probably recognize this progression. you hear that all the time. That's used a lot in choruses of songs, verses of songs, but most commonly it tends to be used in bridges. Because it, it gives a nice little bit of tension. Since that never really resolves, and it goes back into the progression, and then it might resolve with the one in the bass. So those are very common little uh, tricks that are used in a lot of worship songs. And so if you at least know those two patterns, then you will uh, be pretty well set for a lot of songs. Other things that um, happen a lot in worship songs is kind of alternating between the one and the four chord, especially on verses. You hear that a lot. And then you'll, you might hear a change from, from the four 
where it might go up to the six or the five or the six five back to the four. Um, but as long as you know one, four, five, six, and then you also know that variation of five, six, or excuse me, four, six, five, uh, one with the third in the bass note, then you'll pretty much know a good bit of uh, worship songs that are out there. You can also be familiar with hearing different things such as descending bass lines. I showed you the that, which is just one, then the, the five, but with the third in the bass, to the six, which I just call it a walk down to the six. You'll hear those types of descending lines, or you might hear something descending upwards. Um, so being able to recognize ascending and descending lines. In most cases, when you hear something where it sounds like it's, uh, it's descending or ascending, it's usually just going up or down the, the scale of the song. So uh, again, like I said, I've, uh, ha despite having years of experience as, as a musician, I still struggle learning things by ear. I mean, it's okay if I've got 15 minutes and I can sit down with a song and listen to it a few times and play along and go, okay, okay, now, I, now I've got it. But when you're in front of you know, a few hundred people and all of a sudden it's the first time you've ever heard the song, um, it just, that's a stressful time to try and figure something out by ear. So just bear in mind that there's a lot of common patterns in songs and by being familiar with them, the more familiar you get with these patterns, the more you'll start hearing them and you'll be able to be able to use them when they get, when you get thrown a curveball and having to play a song by ear uh, on the spot. another episode of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to us there, uh, search for Worship Blender under YouTube, and you should find us and just subscribe there. We got a lot of content there that I think you might enjoy. And I just want to say that I need your help. This podcast, I, I, I do it by myself, but um, it's hard doing it by yourself. And um, I think the best episodes, at least for me, um, I think are the ones where I involve somebody else, where I have an interview. And I try to do more interviews, and I've, I've had some good interviews and would like to have more. And so uh, I need some people to interview. Um, that, there's just something about the dynamic of having two people together talking that is much more interesting than just one person by themselves in front of a microphone. So if you know anyone that uh, you think would be good for the podcast, if that including yourself, if you're one of those people that you know and you're like, hey, I could, I could be on the podcast. And you don't have to be like anybody famous or nothing. Hey, I'm not famous at all. And I'm doing the podcast. And um, even had my average Joe uh, interview a, a few episodes back, and I enjoyed that. And so I think anybody has a story to tell. So if you've got a story to tell and you think you uh, might enjoy being on the podcast and speaking with me, then uh, send me a line. And if you don't know how to get a hold of me, then uh, probably the best way is to go to our Facebook page. You can find us on Facebook. Again, do a search on Worship Blender, uh, Bass Guitar Worship Blender Podcast. And you should find our page there. And just uh, send me uh, a message through Facebook and let me know that you're interested. 
Okay, so this is a short episode, but that's okay. Um, just getting another one out there, and uh, hopefully uh, I'll hear from uh, some of you out there, and we'll get some uh, more interviews lined up. And uh, until then, uh, thanks so much for listening, and uh, God bless you.